What can you learn from a cheerleader? How do you react when facing death in your business, literally or figuratively? Listen in and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Push it up. Welcome back to your weekly dose of basket toss and cradle catch learning. I'm your dark horse host, Tracy Brigman, and you, that's infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or business owner. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, or just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Whew. Another big episode today. See, today Tanya Stegman shares so many great tips and ideas and stories from her varied entrepreneurial journey. I'm really, really excited to share this one with you. Tanya has not only built a great business, but a business that serves in so many ways. Now, I can say that because I know from personal experience, because my daughter was the recipient of many of those cheerleading and life lessons. And, and, and yes, those are so many lessons that we entrepreneurs can learn from a cheerleader from avatars to attorneys to pivoting and selling out in 30 minutes you're going to want to listen to this one plus i'm going to let you in on next week's guest who used to be a world traveling rap star as per usual the dark horse corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing g-o-l-d spilling from every corner of the dark horse entrepreneur hq so let's get to the starting gates and go all right, my fellow dark horses and ladies too, our, our guest today is Tanya Stegman, and she comes to us with 31 years of, of coaching experience, but it might not all be the coaching experience that you're thinking of. You see, Tanya is the owner of Midwest Cheer Elite Incorporated, and she opened her first location back in 2003, and I believe now it's grown to five locations. Uh, across the U.S. Uh, and when Tanya is not working in the gym, which is a lot of the time, uh, Tanya can be found often uh, giving speeches at coaches conferences across the U.S. Uh, Tanya is now also doing business and consulting across the U.S. as well as abroad. Tanya's passion, in case you can't gather it, is business and marketing, uh, as well as making a difference in every child's life. So I had to bring her on the show. Tanya, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, and thanks for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Absolutely. I know. I, I got to uh, I got to enjoy uh, things from the customer side. You know, my daughter being one of the cheerleaders that uh, went through your uh, your coaching programs and and going to your events uh, for a number of years. So I want to before we even go there, I want to step back and literally let you tell your story of how you uh, where where you came from, how you got to where you are today, and why you love doing what you do so much. Okay. Well, I actually started at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I was in the College Conservatory of Music. I was actually a broadcasting major, and I became a disc jockey very young at like 18 in the nightclubs in Cincinnati. So I was one of the only female club disc jockeys that were out there and absolutely loved DJing, but also doing commercial work for some of our clients. So when doing that, you kind of get that edge of marketing because they're mm -hmm. trying to 
create a commercial for a product and trying to get a reaction from the audience to either sell whatever product they're selling or to get a large crowd in for an event. So I absolutely loved marketing. I liked sitting down with the um, customers and finding out what their goals were and creating commercial work that would help them achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. So, but also working in the nightclubs, I started to realize at 19 or 20 that if I ever wanted to have a family or a future, um, probably getting off of work at 2.30 in the morning and going to staff meetings at Waffle House at 3 a.m., wasn't going to be conducive <laughs> to what my goals were. Sure. And financially, um, being in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the market of being a disc jockey, you really need to be in a bigger city, you yeah. know, like a New York or an LA. And I'm very close to my parents and I wasn't super excited about, you know, moving. So I did what I had to do. I kind of took a couple years off and all that at time, I was coaching at a high school. I was coaching actually color guards and rifle lines. Okay. And then I got into coaching dance teams and ended up getting married, um, got into nursing because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Like, oh, I need to get a, you know, a real job. And so therefore, I'm going to do nursing. Absolutely mm -hmm. hated it. Um, was still coaching while I was doing nursing. And I ended up, we ended up moving out into Lakota. And when I went in, I'm like, you know, I'm going to get a job as a dance coach again, because I was leaving another school district that I had been with since 1988. And here it is 2000 coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, we don't have dance teams here, but we have this thing called cheerleading. I'm like, it's very similar, You'll, which is not true. It's not similar at all. <laughs> right. But they um, talked me into becoming the varsity football and basketball cheerleading coach. And then they're like, we have this thing called competitive cheerleading. So I ended up taking that. I just really wanted to coach. Um, I already knew I did not enjoy working as a nurse. I, it was not my passion. I didn't like it. So I took the job on and three years into the job, myself and another coach who had walked in named Big Dog found that the teams were doing well and they were winning and we were getting a lot of calls about, hey, um, how can I get my daughter underneath you to be coached, although she doesn't go to the same school district? Uh -huh. So at the time, that's kind of when all-star cheerleading, you know, was starting to come about. It being created, I think, in 1988, although not many people had spoken about it. Um, ran into a friend who also coached at another school and said, look, we're going to create this business. It's going to be awesome. Got a little tiny 6,000 square foot facility and basically started Midwest Cheerleading. Nice. Um, so I actually had a business partner starting out. Um, within the first year, she got divorced and was going to relocate. So I ended up buying her out for a small fee because the business was still growing. The very first year, we had like 65 cheerleaders, which I was excited about. We're in a tiny space. Um, we went to do tryouts and then we're at 130. Ooh. So we're like, look, we, we have to get out of the space. Um, Ended up getting a much bigger, I think we ended up in 16,000 square feet for a year or two. Mm -hmm. Took on this lease, a five-year lease, which in business we all know um, can be very expensive. You have all those like cam charges and things that you don't necessarily think about. But it was probably year two or three. I was actually coaching. Like our, I think I had five coaches on staff. I was basically everything. I was the janitor, the custodian, the front office manager, a coach. I was doing every bit of the business, but as we started ending year two and getting into year three, we realized we were going to be in the 200s for the number of kids. Ooh. So I had to make the decision of either I was going to step off the floor and run the business and help grow it 
so that I could put systems in place that would make it much easier, or I was going to have to make, decide I wanted to coach only and kind of stagnate the business. I just knew I couldn't do both. I couldn't have the business continue growing at the leaps and bounds it was growing and still coach on the floor. Sure. Um, so I decided to take time off. I was like, I'm not going to coach anymore. I'm going to get a great staff in. Um, I can still go out on the floor and see what's going on. But my passion was more because of my marketing ground of background was taking something from nothing and seeing how big I could explode it. Nice. So did that. And we were in that building for five years. We ended up moving um, into a much bigger facility that we ended up owning with the roller rink. Right. And I guess it was probably the second year we were in that facility. Um, we ended up in a situation where we were at a competition and my booster treasurer ended up in a fatal car crash and it got a lot of publicity. It ended up all over the media because the kids were in cheerleading uniforms. Um, there's two moms headed to a cheerleading competition with children in their car. And here a driver had decided that she wanted to take her own life and went the wrong way on the highway. I remember that. So we were at a cheerleading competition when we got the news um, in Columbus, Ohio, I had sent back at the time was my husband. I'd sent some people back and it became a media frenzy of um, news stations out front and kind of thrust us into a spotlight that we didn't necessarily want to be in, sure. um, but kind of got pulled in. And then in our industry, in the cheerleading industry, it was one of the first major fatalities of, you know, the mom passed away, the kids were on life support. There was uncertainty of whether the kids were going to make it or not. Um, it kind of made the gym a standard of how to handle catastrophe or how to handle getting children and families through um, such a, such a big event, you know, sure. no one had ever dealt with that. So all of a sudden we found people became very interested in how we handled the, handled it, um, started watching the gym a lot more. And eventually I, started speaking at conferences. First of all, you know, speaking about how we handled that, how we um, set the standard of how we as a gym, we're going to get the kids and the families through this, how we dealt with the media and eventually started talking about business, mm -hmm. about our marketing philosophies, our business philosophies. And that started the spectrum of a lot of speaking. So I was speaking at varsity gym owner conferences and conferences in the U S and then probably three years ago, I started international speaking. Nice. Um, going to conferences like in Sydney, Australia, or in um, Canada or London. So I started doing that track of trying to teach gym owners how to grow their business, um, the do's and don'ts of, you know, W-2 versus 1099. Right. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird how it all evolved. I absolutely love, my favorite part of it. I love the kids and I love the parents, but I really love the part of going in and marketing and the business aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, so then I started business consulting, um, started consulting for obviously cheerleading gyms to start out with and have kind of now ventured into like chiropractic offices that are looking at opening up multiple locations or roller rinks or um, a little bit of everything. I mean, I look at it as marketing if you love marketing, it kind of applies to every business. There's not a business that you can't figure out. Right. Same thing with 
you know, being a DJ and doing commercial work, you would do a commercial for a restaurant one minute and a car dealership the next. Right. Right on. That is, uh, that's quite a ride. Uh, there was, you know, bits and pieces of there that I knew. Obviously, I was uh, one of the parents that were there when we got that that news at that event when the that accident happened. And yeah, you guys, you guys were front and center for quite some time in the media and what have you. And uh, I think it's a good point that, that you brought up two things here. It's like, that could have been a, a, a make or break moment for a, any business if they had been thrust into that kind of limelight under that scenario. Um, and especially if you were now, if you were going to become the standard that people were going to be holding others to, to in, in handling such a thing, right? It, right. Did, it, I, I guess what I'm going for is, were you thinking along those lines at the time? Or were you just like, look, here's, here's what we need to do for the business and for the kids and, and for the industry as a whole? I think the timing of it kind of played, get her off of there. Yep. <laughs> Let me see. The timing of it kind of played this, this huge role because here we were at a competition in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, we get news and then it, it, it hit the news, you know, the news media very quickly. Right. But hey, we have this parent who's been in a car crash. It's a fatality. So at that time, we had to bring everybody in and tell the parents what's going on and make the decision of whether to compete, which at the time we made the decision of, hey, um, we don't know what's going on. There's three athletes involved. It's such a, you know, people's lives have been lost. The decision today has to be, let's send you guys home. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's grieve. And then literally six days later, we're supposed to compete again. Right. And so all week long, we kept going back and forth of, do we pull from competition? At what point do we move on with our lives? What would um, Lori had wanted, you know, the person that had lost their life? Sure. And I remember at one point speaking to my front office manager, whose name was Joyce. And I was like, look, um, Lori would have wanted us to compete. And at some, these kids and families are looking to us for guidance of when do we continue to live you know we're respecting the fact yeah um the funeral was on a saturday we were supposed to be competing two days in cincinnati and we're like look let's go to the funeral on saturday and then on sunday let's get these kids back on let's take them to competition let's have them compete so i called the comp competition company and i said hey here's the situation um we're going to the funeral. Everyone had already known what had been happening. Sure. And when we got to the competition on Sunday, the event producer had already notified all of the teams coming saying, hey, they're not going to be here on Saturday. They're going to be here on Sunday. Please keep in mind, some athletes are still on life support. They've lost a parent in the gym. This has been a huge thing for them this week. When they got there, it they had cards and banners hung for our kids. Other yeah. teams, athletes came up and would hug them and say, hey, um, we're here for you. What do you need us to do? What's going on? And they collected money at the end of the competition. So when it was time for awards, they literally wanted to hear the story. And then they collected money for the family. Yeah. And it was it was such a, it was the right decision to make because mm -hmm. it was therapeutic for the kids. They knew that they were moving on. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it was therapeutic for our staff because it was like we weren't alone in this decision. You know, yeah. other coaches were supportive. They were there. Lots of things were going on. So looking back, people were like, how did you make that decision? And I'm like, it's not a decision you can pre-plan. 
it's just a thought process that you have to think through and get through and figure out what is best for you. But in that situation, even the parents said, I don't think we could have made the decision of when was the right time to move forward. Mm -hmm. So it was nice that you made that decision. But also when the kids came to competition, they felt that they had support. Yeah. No, that was that was awesome, and yeah, it, it's that's a tough one. I yeah, there's nowhere to go on that one, right? All right, so we won't we won't dwell in, in that realm. I, I want to talk about a little bit about the the coaching, and not just the coaching of the kids, but obviously the the business consulting that you do. And I, one of the things you shared with me is uh, one of your big goals is to uh, grow your 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 business consulting and your brand. Um, what kind of what kind of obstacles do you think you're going to be facing or have to overcome to to, to do that? Um, at first, it was just getting my name out and getting outside of just the world of cheerleading because people obviously are like, "Oh, you're consulting for cheerleading and stuff." Um, timing wise, COVID was super helpful because what happened was COVID made the whole world stop. Yeah. And once the world stopped, I think everybody became vulnerable, and mm-hmm. every business was like regardless of what your business was, we were all in the same situation of um, things being out of our control. Mm-hmm, we had mm-hmm. no control when our businesses were going to be able to open. Um, we were all thrust into this PPP, EIDL, unemployment spotlight right. that we don't normally deal with every day. So when I first started consulting, I was like, you know, I was very excited. That's probably my biggest passion is to take um, – my consulting time and help people grow their businesses and mm-hmm. get excited about, Hey, here's your homework and here are your goals. And here's what I want you to do before we talk again, not only give them homework, but then I want to see the results. Mm-hmm. How did you grow? What was your, you know, teaching about um, revenue and profit? A lot of people are like, Hey, my business brought in, you know, $4 million. Well, okay. Of that 4 million though, how much of that was profit? Right. Right. You know, it was 300, you know, 3 million, nine, five, all, um, overhead. And you only really made a small bit of profit. So the, the biggest obstacles were just getting past the stigma of owning a cheerleading gym and people understanding that I did stuff well before that, Mm -hmm. but COVID really allowed a platform of, Hey, everyone's trying to help one another and being able to help others understand, um, the dynamics of whether to apply for the loans and what you have to do with the loans, but also, the rebranding of companies. Mm-hmm. It was a, it's COVID was a great time to rebrand. Really? How so? I, because we went from a, you know, touch and feel a brick and mortar type mm-hmm. of world to a 100% digital. I mean, I talk to people all the time. I'm like, you know, I used to be like, people want to touch things. They want to leave with a flyer, um, know your demographics so that, you know, are they the type of person who wants to, grab and grow, grab and go brick and mortar pro shop. You mm-hmm. know, I have customers in Westchester that they want to purchase the product and walk out with a product. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. You know, COVID, COVID's created a very digital world. Everything is digital marketing, getting your word out digitally. Um, we went to virtual pro shops because you have to keep in mind with COVID, you're either the far right or the far left, just as in politics. Okay. People either are very afraid and don't want to leave their homes or on the other end, some people feel that maybe COVID is overhyped and it's not what it is. But from a business standpoint, I have to service both of those. Mm. I have to still service the person who's afraid to leave their house 
but as well offer the same service to the person who wants to get out of the house and be out in the world. You're now listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. It's been a huge thing. And, you know, when I do my consulting, the first time, this is the first time I've told people like, hey, let's get to all digital. Right. Let's not do the ads in the malls because we all know the holidays are going to be very different this year. Sure. Let's not worry about handing people um, paper schedules and things like that. Let's completely focus on digital marketing because mm -hmm. they're in their homes. Um, social media has skyrocketed right? because people Absolutely. didn't have anything to do. Absolutely. You know, look at Netflix. We've all <laughs> learned how to navigate. Between Netflix and Zoom, we have all learned how to navigate that's, that's, that's absolutely true. I know I was uh, um, an infrequent user of Zoom, but since COVID has hit, I think, and I launched this podcast, I've done, well, this is number, interview number 20, and I've done all, every single one of those via Zoom, which has been great because it's allowed me to reach out. And it's actually, to your point, I think it's changed my mindset about who I can, who I can reach out to and well as how I can get in contact with them. It's in, in the past, I probably would have arranged a trip to come down there and sit with your office, you know, and, and chat with you live where COVID's kind of made it the norm to, to have this conversation digitally, which is awesome. And, and I know uh, from my experience with you in the past, you were uh, always doing some awesome marketing, especially in the malls with, you know, the, the stands and having your signage there. And I think I remember a couple of times even seeing stickers on the ground with your branding on it. And I was like, okay, right. this lady gets, uh, she understands the mindset of the people that she's trying to engage. So you taking that one step further and say, okay, well now they've gone digital. Has that, uh, has that been a boom for you uh, of late or is it kind of, you know, we're still feeling our way through it. As far as digital or COVID? Yeah. The, well, well, uh, but let's say both because uh, I think the digital has been caused by COVID, correct? Correct. The digital marketing actually it's, you have to be very open-minded and you have to find that gray area. So like, for example, we used to do after school programs where we would mm -hmm. send our staff to schools and they would teach kids probably 30 minutes after school got out. Kids would stay after school. Um, they would attend a tumbling class at the school or a cheer class or a conditioning class. And what happened is as a gym owner, we made money off of that. And then we gave a kickback to the PTA PTO. Okay. Now with schools going back and the uncertainty of, are they going to be virtual? If they're in person, how long will they be in person? When's mm -hmm. that going to change? We've actually created a virtual after-school program nice. so that every school can participate. So if the kids are still in school, the class doesn't start till an hour after school gets out. It allows them to get home, get on the bus. Um, all the kids know how to get onto Zoom now. So mm -hmm. it's very easy. Or if they're a virtual student, they can take an hour break from being on the computer and jump back on. The, the school still gets a kickback, mm -hmm. but we're able to still offer our product in a safe atmosphere for, and we're able to offer it regardless of whether you are virtual or in person. Nice. So that is actually taken off. Um, everything we're doing right now, like I had a brick and mortar pro shop mm -hmm. and obviously when COVID literally came out of nowhere, I told somebody else, it was like one Sunday we're having practices and the lobbies are packed and the next Sunday, we're all in our houses. Right. And it's, it came out of nowhere. So we had this pro shop full of stuff. And I'm like, look, per our governor guidelines, I can't have people in my lobby. So what am I going to do? So we tagged everything. Um, we created like, okay, let's put all the sports brawls over here. Let's put all the t-shirts over here. 
And on this Thursday, we're going to do a Facebook Live on the parent page, and we're going to do a sale. And we oh. typed everything like A1, A2, A3. We sold out of everything in 30 minutes. Dang. So we were like, oh, this is awesome because people, we just put it on their invoices or obviously Venmo, PayPal, all of those, Cash App, every, right. every way to pay without having to walk in. We beg everything. And then a week later, it's like, okay, we're going to do a virtual sale on shorts. So get ready again. As long as you give everybody somewhat of a leeway of give them 24 hours so they sure. can kind of mark it on their calendars, plan on being on. But right now we do everything virtual. Our pro shop sales have probably tripled nice. because there's no over, you know, we have zero overhead. We don't hang on to anything. Right. We order exactly what parents want. Mm -hmm. We ask that our vendors create a digital, um, a digital picture of what parents are ordering, whether it's, you know, for back to school this year, we did back to school pajamas. Okay. Because we knew a lot of kids were going to be in bed learning from a computer at home this year versus cool. going back to school. That's cool. So idea. we just do every, put everything online. I have a feeling COVID is going to change the business world mm -hmm. in two ways. Brick and mortar is you're going to see a lot less brick and mortar. You know, look at the retailers already. Yeah. People are online shopping. You don't need to pay rent. You don't need to pay insurance. And you're actually probably going to get a bigger audience right now due to online sales. And then all the businesses that have their, I mean, insurance companies, um, real estate agents, everyone's working from home. Mm -hmm. So they have to be sitting back as a company owner saying, why are we paying for this giant building, yeah. utilities, rent, insurance, when for the past six months, we've been able to do our jobs from home? Sure. Absolutely. No, I don't disagree with that at all. So there, I really like that whole pro shop example. It's a, I think it's a lesson that so many people can take and, and, and put into play like now. Um, so well, what was really interesting was sure, um, sure. there's a female clothing company called BB. Mm -hmm. Used to have, um, did all brick and mortar. Did a little bit of online, but when you saw their brick and mortar, they always picked the high end space. Mm -hmm. It was always like, boom, you walked in, you saw BB beautiful shops, full windows, large spaces, mm -hmm. um, staff was incredible. All of a sudden, within 30 days, they started closing all their brick and mortar mm -hmm. and went completely to online shopping. And I'm like, why would you do that? And they explained like, hey, um, rent, rent space or the lease space has become very expensive. Mm -hmm. We feel like our customers know where we're at online we don't want to, they don't want to spend the time and money on space, utilities, things like that. And they can consolidate their staff. Right. So they literally did that. I think a year and a half before COVID hit. Wow. Wow. And I'm like That's, such a smart thing. Yes. Yeah, they're a little step ahead of their time. Exactly. Right okay. So if someone wanted to start a business and uh, and of course, you're going to speak from from your side of the of the shop. You know, be it a, a coaching or consulting business or a, a brick and mortar. What's the one piece of advice you want to make sure everyone out there knows? Get an attorney. <laughs> get a law firm. Get and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, get a law firm. Don't just get an attorney. Attorneys are like doctors. You mm -hmm. would not see a cardiologist for a broken leg. You would not see a dentist for a heart problem. Mm -hmm. If you get a law firm that has multiple attorneys in there, 
Mm. You have your head attorney that you're able. Here's my thing is my nice thing is my head attorney is amazing. I have a cell phone number. So no matter what I need, I can call him at any time. But the firm has people who deal with employment law. Mm -hmm. So when I have questions about staff contracts or things like 1099 versus W-2, that person specializes in that. Ah. I have attorneys that can look at my leases before I sign them. So before I sign that lease that has a cam in there that's not locked, they could advise me like, hey, don't sign that. Don't personally sign on a lease. Have it in your LLC's name. Um, they can also have an attorney that helps me with my personal things. The biggest mistakes that everyone makes, um, th- well, the question you need to ask yourself is, are you, do you want to be a business owner or do you want a hobby? Ah, Those are two very different things. Being a business owner and wanting to enjoy a hobby are very different. If you want to be a business owner, make sure you do the homework before you decide to open. Mm-hmm. Get an attorney and talk to them. Talk to an accountant to find out what's involved in um, taxes, um, cat tax, state tax, city tax, things like that. Always have your attorney look at leases before you sign them. I made a huge mistake my first time I signed a lease in my second building. I didn't have an attorney look at it, and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they had not locked out the cam. So I got a $15,000 bill because there was a lot of snow that year. Oh, man. So it was considered extra snow removal. But yeah, that's crazy. Those are the big things is and know that the first year, maybe the first couple years, you're not going to make money. Sure. The money you make is either going to be to pay off loans that you may have taken out for the business to reinvest into the business. Mm-hmm. But I usually tell people find something you're passionate about, find out where there's a need. What mm-hmm. is there a need for? Mm-hmm. Like I spoke to somebody else who wanted to open a business and I'm like, but they didn't know what kind of business they wanted to open. And I'm like, well, then look around and see where's their need and how can you fulfill that need? Mm-hmm. And are you okay working um, 12 hour days for the next couple of years and maybe not making a penny? The, the best story is a guy I went to high school with. Um, in high school, he was that like nerdy, super smart kind of guy, sure. moved out to California, was working for an IT company, and I ran into his mother. And she's like, oh my God, he quit his job. He's moving back home here to Ohio. He wants to live with us. He lost his insurance. I can't believe what he's doing. He's going to live at home with us because he's not going to be able to afford. He's going to try to start this new company. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like making six figures in IT. You just don't quit your job. And go move back home with mom and dad. Right. So I thought it was very interesting. Saw her probably two years later and I said, hey, still living at home? She said, yeah, he is still living at home, but there's a big announcement that's going to be made. I'm sure you will hear about it. Six months later, he created eBay. Oh, no. (laughs) So, but that was my thing is he was willing to walk away from a corporate job. Yeah you know, willing to walk away from something that was very stable to take a risk. Mm -hmm. And that's what business is. It's a risk. You get what you put into it, but it's a hundred percent risk. No, that's a, that's a great point. I was just, I was just hearing the story of, uh, is it Melanie Perkins, the lady that uh, created Canva? Yes. And, uh, you know, I think so many people have, you know, that don't maybe don't know the whole story. They know how quickly Canva hit the, la- the digital landscape and is, in, you know, it's taken off like a rocket. And I think most recently it was uh, it was given a three billion dollar valuation. It's like, 
wow, here she is, you know, CEO of a $3 billion valuated company at, I think she's in her early 30s. What they don't know is she started off this thing at the age of 19 um, and oh, wow. was in, uh, had a similar piece of software that her and some, some uh, partners developed. She hired some folks in to, to, to develop software, but she was doing it for uh, yearbooks for schools. And she, oh. she was doing that for a number of years, and she thought this could be so much bigger. And when even when she stepped out to do that yearbook for schools thing, uh, she borrowed the money from her mom. She lived, she already lived with her mom, and the mom let her bring a printing press into the living room. And so when they you know they they let the high schools use the software for free. The deal was when it was time to print the the yearbooks, they had to come to her to place the orders. And so she went out and bought a printing press. It was in there, kachunka kachunka kachunka, uh, doing that. But so she got to cut her teeth on business and you know all the nuances of that software for years, so that when she went out there to uh, to uh, Silicon Valley to pitch her idea and she pitched it hundreds of times. Uh, it took her a while to bring in the investors, but she'd already built the things up. She had all that knowledge. And, and then of course, you know, it took a while to build up from there. So those, those are great, great tips. All right. So let's, let's leverage your marketing mind for a moment and let's talk about a great marketing tip for those listening. I think a great marketing tip is knowing your audience, knowing um, I have five gyms, mm -hmm. but the demographics in every one of those gyms is very different. So knowing who you're marketing to, mm -hmm. knowing your avatar, and yes. understanding what an avatar is so that you're not wasting your money. Absolutely. Um, like right. for me, I know that Facebook marketing is geared towards adults. Mm -hmm. The kids really aren't on Facebook. For me, I know my adults are the ones who are going to be spending the money. Sure. But the decision makers are the kids. Really? Yeah, the kids very much. It's funny with COVID and also it happened in 2008 when the housing market crashed. Mm -hmm. CNN actually did a report and said the businesses that survived were children-oriented businesses because a parent will give up for themselves in order for their child not to feel the negative effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I, yeah. We're right. busier now than we were pre-COVID. Really? And it's because parents want their kid to feel some sort of normalcy. Mm -hmm. So I know that kids are, you know, on Snapchat. Um, unfortunately, they're on TikTok. You know, <laughs> we're doing that. But what you want to do is get the kids to love what you have, whether it's through video or photo. Kids are very image oriented. Mm -hmm. They want to see it. You want them to love it enough that they go to their parent and say, I really want this product. I right. really want you to buy this for me. Then it's the parent that takes the extra step to investigate it. Yep. So if I do Facebook marketing, I know with dads or with men, I'm marketing value. Right. Um, dads want to know what I'm spending, what, it, what am I walking away with? What, mm -hmm. And it's regardless, whether it's coaching or whether it's a car or a shirt, they want to know if I'm spending the money, what is the value I'm getting out of it? Absolutely. Females are emotionally driven. They want to know the memories or how it'll impact their child, the friendships, or how it'll make their child feel. So the marketing is very different depending if you're marketing to men or women. And then you also have the child. So I think that that's the biggest marketing tip is knowing who your perfect avatar is, who is your perfect customer, 
-hmm. looking at the types of marketing you have and making sure you're using it appropriately so that you're hitting the demographic you need. And you're not, so for me to get on Facebook and market images and videos that are geared toward kids, it's a waste. The kids aren't on Facebook. They're not going to be where the adults are. That's not cool. Right. Yeah, they totally. tried, Yeah, they had Facebook there for a while. And then once the adults started getting into there, they kind of, you know, picked up their own little social media. Mm-hmm. And with TikTok, you know, with them talking about banning TikTok, we're just waiting for the next TikTok to come out. Sure. sure. And that's what the kids will gravitate towards. Yep. The kids are always going to the cool spot. No, you're right. When the parents get there, they're like, okay, I'm done. We're out. Exactly. I'm out. <laughs> Got to find something else that you're not there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right on. Now, you mentioned that you had an offer you wanted to share with the audience. Yeah, I'm doing a, a lot of business consulting. And I normally do like a 30-minute, what I do is a 30-minute business consulting. It's normally $50 for the half hour. But if they mention your program, we'll okay. do it for $25. Nice. For that half hour. And what we do is um, when they book with us, um, we send them a link to book. They get a questionnaire because we want to make sure that 30 minutes is really focused on their goals. That I already know what, you know, where were you pre-COVID? Where are you today? Mm -hmm. What are your business, your your biggest obstacles as far as a business? What are your strengths? So that when we get into the 30 minutes, it's about setting goals. And then we also give homework. So at the end of the consulting call, you have work to do. You should have an entire list of things that kind of get your brain going. Like, oh my God, I never thought about this. And how can we get your business to the next level? Sweet, sweet. Um, I'll definitely get that link from you so I can put it in the show notes so that folks can, folks can get there to that. Any final thoughts you want to leave with anybody listening from your experience or just, hey, it's COVID. Here's a, here's a tip for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, hey, it's COVID. At this point, 2020 has been a wild ride. And it wasn't just COVID that it's been wild. It's like one thing after yeah. another. Um, I think the biggest thing is if you stay focused, you stay positive and you stay open-minded, look at, look for the things that people haven't really thought about that are right in front of our face. There's so many things that are just right there. And if you stay positive and you know what your goals are, you will get to the end of this. Absolutely. May look a little different, but you'll definitely get to the end. Absolutely. There you go. Dropping, dropping gems. I, I, I want to say sparkles, but it doesn't seem right, right? Anyway. Glitter and rainbow. <laughs> Glitter and rainbow. There we go. All right, Tanya, thank you so much for your time today. I definitely appreciate it. No problem. All right. What I tell you? Tanya Stegman, bring in the fire, right? All right. So here's some ideas that I walked away from. Idea number one. Here we are. Yet another very path in her beginnings, right? As you heard, in, as you have heard in so many of our guests' stories, they start along one path, which leads to another and another. And after, yes, yet even another, they finally find their groove either through some clear intention or by a combination of luck and happenstance. But often there's something inside telling them that what they're currently doing yeah, it's not quite right, and they're, it, it, or it doesn't fit their long-term goals, or it's not matching with their dreams and aspirations. See, whether you're at a, I, I, whether you hate your given job, as uh, Tanya mentions, as she was traveling down that nursing pursuit, or you figure out that you want a family, and that being a DJ in a small metro area like Cincinnati is probably not going to be the right path for you. I want you to listen to your heart. Heck. 
Let's go ahead and write it down. What is it you truly want for yourself, your life, and those you care about? See, this will further drive home that clarity in what it is you seek, and you will, trust me, you will begin to notice opportunities as they present themselves. See, that's kind of what happened to Tanya and her partner, Big Dog, right? They were presented the opportunity to do some cheerleading, and they started doing what they do best, and then they started getting calls to find out how parents could get their kids to be coached by them when they were attending different schools, a school in a different district. It was like, ding, 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 right? They recognized the opportunity as it presented itself. Thought number two, there's a time to stop working in the business and start working on the business. As Tanya saw her business grow and be successful, she continued to coach and be in the business, right? Along with her other five coaches she had at that time. But she realized that there was a point where she could either continue to do that and place kind of this chokehold on her business growth or step out of being in the business and start working on the business, right? By stepping out of that coaching role and start putting in systems in place to help continue her business growth. At some point, we as entrepreneurs are going to have to stop doing everything ourselves. You can't be the coach, the janitor, the chief bottle washer, and still truly grow your business. You're going to have to uh, have others, right? Step in and take over those more routine tasks, hand those over to people you trust so that you can take on those leveling up up tasks and grab those opportunities. Thought number three, how we react in the face of disaster matters. Yeah, Tanya and her business became a media focus when there was this horrible fatality, which was no fault of anyone in her business, heck, no one even in her industry, right? But yet, all eyes were upon her. All eyes were upon her business and even her entire industry to see how she would react in the face of this terrible tragedy. Now, I truly hope no one listening ever has to face something like that. But let's be honest, we never know what today or tomorrow is going to present to us, right? So being able to react to such an event is something you need to think about as much as you are able to be prepared for. For me, I think this really comes back to being yourself. Just be you. If you're always yourself and true to yourself, and that is reflected in your business ethics and your standards, then the answers to how to react to any business or personal strategy will become almost automatic. Right? Now, mind you, I didn't say it would be easy, but sometimes doing what's right is not easy. It's right after all, right? Thought number four, what are you good at that you can help others with. Here we go again. As Tanya steps into working on her business and growing the, uh, and mastering all the aspects of the back office and the marketing of the business. And so now she takes that knowledge that she's mastered and she takes it to the marketplace, even outside of her own industry, helping others in, the, in other markets grow their business. So the question becomes, what piece of, of your entrepreneurial journey do you really love and have you gotten really good at? Perhaps that's a piece of your core knowledge that you can in turn take to the marketplace and get paid to share. Thought number five, embrace the change. Yep. This year, with the impact of COVID and all the craziness that's going on out there right now, you can see many, many changes, not only to the marketplace, 
but how your clients and prospects interact with you and the marketplace. So here it is. I'm going to say it like it is. Stop bucking the changes that are, that are that are keeping you from pivoting and building your business or growing your business. Instead, just wrap your arms around it, right? Embrace those changes. Find out where your clients and prospects are right now in this new landscape and get there. Meet them. Share your message. Share your content. Let them know your goodness, right? How awesome are you, right? Let them know how awesome you are. Stop sitting on your butt and bitching about the changes and start making the changes uh, on your own, right? Get yourself out there and get your business where you want it to be. And thought number six, uh, get an attorney. Mm-hmm. Actually, like she says, get a law firm. Enough said there. So what do you think? Pretty fire, right? What inspiring tips and ideas resonated with you today or yesterday or any of the other shows? Whatever they were, take some time today and put them into action. Get out there, run your race, get your results, and let me hear about them. Seriously, Tracy at DarkHorseSchooling.com. Shoot me the, the tips and ideas that you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results you got. All right. Next week's guest is Joey Yak. Now, Joey is one of those people who was lucky enough to know from a really young age what it is he wanted to do. And that was he wanted to rock the mic as a rapper. He wanted to go on tour, right? And Joey was able to realize that dreams a couple of times through two different record deals. But in the end, he found it wasn't for him, right? Sounds like a story you've heard before, right? But now, Joey's using his amazing musical skills to take your message and infuse it with his melody to create these unique marketing assets for entrepreneurs. You are definitely going to want to hear this story for sure. Now... I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from all of our guests on this podcast, so please go on down there, hit that subscribe button. While you're there, drop us a five-star review, and really take a minute or two and and write us up you know, some comments in, in the review. Uh, good, bad, and different. Hey, here's the stuff I want to hear, Tracy. Here's the stuff I'm loving hearing, whatever it is. And of course, do not keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share the hot podcast with other entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.